Start with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. As we do the Lord's Supper today, and it's been a long time since we've done it, it's been a while, but uh, it's only fit to go back to the Last Supper. And uh, here at the Last Supper in in, uh, John chapter 13, verse number one, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girdeth himself. After that, he poureth water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Let's pray. Amen. This message is a little tough in light of a video I saw last night. And uh, I don't know how much related it is or not, but I I watched a YouTube video from Canada and there was a church having a service. And you know, up in Canada, they, they're having some problems with having church services. They're having problems with allowing that. And I don't know all the circumstances of this. It wasn't horrific or anything. Because Canadians are insanely polite. <laughs> and, uh, but they shut the church down. They brought a locksmith. They changed the keys on the lock. And uh, I watched that church. I, I don't know the denomination. I know they all kind of, they, they dressed up, but they dressed up in kind of gray clothes, almost like Amish people. But uh, they were reading out of King James. That was good enough for me. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, they had about 12 cops there, 12, 12 cops that came there. They came in during the service, and they were singing uh, power in the blood, I think it was, and they walked in there, and the pastor knew they were coming, and they let them in. They they filmed the whole thing, and and uh, the police were just as polite as all and apologetic, and you know I I'm just doing my job, I'm just doing my job, and uh, you know some people like to do their job when it's like that, some people don't like to do their job like that, but the results the same. Everyone was let out of the church. And uh, I sent the video to Matt, and maybe that we do some clips and show you some of these things. But this is going on now. This is going on in this day and age. And uh, I say it's hard in light of that. It's just occurred to me. This wasn't part of the sermon, but uh, we're going to be preaching on the ministry of the towel, laying yourself aside for others. And this pastor, you know, he complied. There wasn't a fight. There wasn't, there wasn't weeping and wailing or anything like that. They all politely walked out and waited for the woman to come out of the bathroom. They made sure they shut everything down, you know, all the lights and all that, because they weren't going to be able to get back in. And, uh, you know, it's because of this masking policy or whatever. And uh, it's, it's freedoms. Freedoms being lost. 
And Canada, you know, they're further down the road than we are, but we're headed down this road. This road is coming to us. And uh, it's supposed to be uplifting and cheerful. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> but, you know, what it does, what, cheerful or not, I mean, if every sermon is cheerful, then, then there's no, no reason to change, right? If everything is positive, there's no reason to change. But we've been learning in Sunday school. This puts a little urgency on it, folks. You know, we've, we've been learning in Sunday school how to witness, and, and this puts a little urgency on it. When you see someone, you know, when God shows you in your heart someone that isn't saved, and uh, it, it puts a little urgency on putting yourself aside. We come to this incident here, and it says... Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew there's, there's certain things that were going on here, John sets the stage. Think about this. John is writing this probably 60 years later in his life, 60 years after this incident has happened. And God has given him clearness of mind. The Holy Spirit has given him clearness of mind to sit there in the future or sit there in the, in a, at a later date. And he looks back and knowing all that the Holy Spirit has shown him over time. And he looks back at this and he lays a stage and he looks back at that night of the Last Supper. I think he looks back in his mind's eye and he can see the candlelight. And he can see each of the apostles sitting at their place, you know, as they as they are in the upper room. And I think he looks back and he can remember dust on the floor. He, maybe he remembers a rat scurrying across the floor. I think it's so vivid to him as he sits there and he looks back. And he realizes, he looks back and he sees Jesus in that moment. And John looks there and he says, now before the feast of the Passover, John looks at Jesus and he says, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, and that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. John looks back, and knowing now, when he was in that moment, he didn't realize what was going to happen. He didn't realize how humiliated they were going to make Jesus, how they were going to spit on him, how they were going to crack the cat of nine tails on him, how they were going to whip him until the blood flowed down his back. They, they looked at him, he, he looked at Jesus that night, and it was like any other night. And you know, for us, church is like any other day, but there may be a day when they come and shut the doors. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why this keeps tying together. Maybe just because I, I think, you know, sometimes you just got to be a little bit honest. We, we may not ever get the fellowship hall done, or we may not, none of this stuff may matter. You know, we'll kind of make motions. But what matters is people's souls. What matters is laying down ourselves for other people, what we do for the Lord. And he looks back and he says, when Jesus knew that his hour would come, was come that he should depart out of this world, there wouldn't be another supper. It's called the Last Supper. It was the last supper that they sat down with Jesus Christ and had a meal. But for that night, there could be another night. There could be, when they were there in that moment, there could be another time. There could be another moment. There could be another. They had no idea what was coming. But he looks back and he realizes Jesus knew what was coming. When Jesus knew that his hour was come, and Jesus tried to tell him. If you turn back just one chapter, John chapter 12, in verse 23, John's remembering these other things that Jesus said. 
He says, and Jesus answered them, saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And I think they were listening to it in that moment. And they said, oh, this is one of those parables that Jesus tells. And they look at that, that moment. And, and uh, yeah, a corn of wheat falls into the ground. Oh, he's talking about how it produces. John looks back and he realizes when Jesus died, the fruit that was produced from his death, our salvation. He said, except, it, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Verse 25, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man shall serve me, him will my father honor. Jesus says, let me read that again. He says, he, he that loveth his life shall lose it. But in verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. If any man shall serve me, let him follow me. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, if you're going to serve Jesus Christ, it has to be what he wants. Jesus said, if any man shall serve me, he shall follow me. You follow Jesus Christ and his will. He says, uh, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be where he is. We've talked so many times in sermons about going down the road, about drifting off, drifting off, drifting off, because I know about it, unfortunately. But if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to be where he is. You're not going to drift off. We ain't even got to the sermon yet. We're in the introduction. He says, uh, He says, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now the part we were looking for, verse 27, because Jesus knew what was going to happen that night. He said, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Oh, there's a lot of things that we would like to avoid, right? There's a lot of pain that we would like to avoid. There's a lot of things that we would like to stray from, and just, just can I just walk around this, Lord? Can I just... Walk around this corner here and avoid this. But Jesus, he didn't do that. He said, what shall I say? He said, now is my soul troubled. He was human. He was in the flesh. And he suffered through the same things we did. You go over to Hebrews and it talks about he went through like, like pain as we did. We, we have a priest that's not, that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He says, uh, now is my soul troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this world. Jesus came for one reason, and he didn't get sidetracked, he didn't get off track. Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the sins for all mankind. That, that dying on the cross had been predicted by God all the way in Genesis chapter number 3. And then all down through time, every sacrifice that took place pointed to Jesus Christ. Every sacrifice that took place, and God said, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and it is with the blood that makes an atonement. And all that pointed 
to Jesus Christ coming. And when Jesus Christ got on this earth, he didn't get caught up in this or that or the politics. He didn't get caught up in everything that was going on. He followed the Father's will all the way to the end. He said, for this, for this, Father, save me for, for this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. He says, Father, glorify thy name. When there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And then the people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said it thundered. Others said, an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Jesus didn't need to hear it. We did. But going back to chapter number 13, Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended. Remember, this is John writing and looking back and seeing so clearly that night as he looks back. <coughs> and supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart Judas Iscariot. I think John looked back. He said, I didn't realize it at the time. I remember that look that came over Judas's face. I remember that night. The devil had already entered into Judas's heart that night. I didn't know Judas was going to betray him, but he looks back and he sees it about to happen. But Jesus knew. And he paints his picture from us. And he says in verse number three. He said, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. All things were given to Jesus. There'll be a day when he rules and reigns on this earth, when all the kingdoms will be under him. Right now, Satan's just kicking around. Satan can do what he wants. Satan can close down churches. He can lock doors. But there'll be a day when Jesus comes, when he comes back and he'll avenge the saints. It said, uh, knowing all this, knowing that he was a king, knowing that he was the creator of the world, Knowing that he was come from God and went to God. Knowing that he's going back. Verse number four. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and girded himself. And this is Jesus Christ knowing that he's the creator of the world. And what he does in this moment. He knows that everything's about to be done. He knows all that's ahead. Have I made my point yet? Knowing all of that, there's one thing Jesus wants to teach them. One thing Jesus want, left. He's told them parables. He's shown them. He's allowed them to heal the sick. They've seen the dead raised to life. They saw Lazarus hopping out of, the, out of the grave. They've seen all these things, but there's one thing left to show the disciples. And after supper was over, Jesus got up, knowing that he is the king, the king, knowing that he's the ruler of this world, ruler of the universe, that he was the creator of this world. Without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus got up, and he took the towel that he was girded with, and he grabs 
a pot of water. And he gets down on his knees and he gets in front of the disciples and begins to wash their feet. You know, I'm going to get a little bit real here. We wear socks, we wear shoes. Sometimes our feet get a little sweaty. But by then, you walked in dirt. If you stepped in cow pie, you didn't have to clean it off your boots. You had to clean it off your feet. It was a nasty thing. It was give, that was reserved for servants to wash the feet of the guests. That was reserved for the lowest in the household to wash the feet of the guests. And Jesus gets down on his knees and begins to wash the disciples' feet. In verse number six, we have Simon Peter. Simon Peter is one of my favorite apostles, between him and John. But Simon Peter, I can look at him. I think of a fellow at work. I just think of a fellow at work. I remember standing around for the meeting, and they were telling us one of those corporate things are about to happen, whether you like it or not. You know, they give us a book, Who Moved My Cheese, so that you can... They're basically telling you, you don't like it, move on. But we're, we're there at this little meeting. The plant only has 15 people, so, you know, we all know each other. It's not a big room or anything, and the boss is telling us something. And uh, we're sitting there thinking, well, don't really like how that's turning out, you know. Don't really like that news. And there's the fella Giff. Giff and Peter to me, the the similarity ends after this example, but Giff standing there, and as we're just taking the news, and we'll go gripe later, Giff says, well, that's just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) We're standing there in front of the plant manager. It's not a big plant, but he's the plant manager. Well, that's just stupid. And they actually use a different word. And we, we just kind of look at each other. And then we all kind of look down. And then I remember the plant manager's face. Oh, is it? Oh, here we go. I think about Peter. Jesus, he's, he's down there. He's got the towel and he begins washing feet. And then verse number six. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? The thing is, and this is, I told you, that's where the similarity ends. Peter spoke his mind. Gift just didn't have a filter. But Peter spoke his mind, and Peter's concern was for his Lord and Savior. He's already proclaimed him Lord and Savior, and he said, you going to wash my feet? No, Lord. I don't deserve it. Jesus answered and said unto him, but you know the, the, the thing about before I get to this, the, the thing about somebody that will speak their mind or the thing about somebody that's impulsive, you're kind of grateful for it. You're kind of grateful somebody will stand up and stand in front of the barbs and, because then you learn a little more than you would have learned otherwise. Might have been on the other disciples' minds, but they weren't going to question Jesus. 
Peter, he just, he no, no filter. But we learned something from him. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. There's a lesson here. And then Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, <laughs> not my feet only. He said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Lord, if I... If, if I can't have any part with you, wash my feet. Don't stop there, Lord. Whatever it takes, I want to be as close to you as possible. Peter was coming out of a good heart. He wanted to be with his Savior. And Jesus said, answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. I think John wrote those words and he said, I do know. I do understand now. Looking back on that night and seeing Peter in my mind's eye and, and that little exchange, John always remembered those little exchanges. And he, I think John said, I do understand. Because he shows us over there in John chapter 1 how much he understands Jesus is the creator. But uh, he said, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know Hereafter, Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast not part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands. And Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash the feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. I paint the picture, the spiritual picture for you guys. You get saved, you're washed in the blood, you're clean but your feet are going to get dirty along the way. You're going, to, you're going to run into trouble here and there, and your feet are going to get dirty, and it's Jesus that does the washing, does the cleansing. You all get that little picture there? And Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, uh, verse number 11, for he knew, he said, but here's the picture that Jesus painted, neither not save to wash his feet, but is clean every way, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him, therefore said he, you're not all clean. He knew about Judas. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and sat down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? He said, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And there's the lesson. The ministry of the towel. In our own lives, in our own lives, we have some people have worked themselves up into a business world. Some people have worked themselves up into a status in different things. And we all have some kind of position. When you're a little kid and you get up to second grade, you're older than the first graders and the kindergartners. You get up to third grade, you're older than them. You get up to fifth grade, I don't know how it is now, but fifth grade, you're at the top of not only your, your class, but your school. Because you had all them grades behind you and you reach a status. We all reach a status at some point in our life. You get a little older. I'm 51, so I'm a little smarter than the 50-year-olds behind me. I know that's a good one, right? But we all reach this point. We all have something to feel some pride on. 
But Jesus, he said, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. He said, if I then, being your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happier are ye if you do them. So briefly in our, in, our, in our last minutes here, I want to do this sermon. There's some things to lay aside in your own life. First thing is lay aside your garments. In the ministry of the towel, you first have to put aside whatever you are or think you are. The roles we have in life that seem to set us apart and above another group of people, we need to lay aside those roles in a sense. Not the responsibility, but sometimes we may need to lay aside the privileges of that role for the sake of others. Don't, don't hang on to what you are. Lower yourself. I think of that pastor last night because I saw that video, and this was different. I've seen it. It wasn't the first one I saw. You know, the first one I saw is what I would have liked to have done. Because that pastor, when they came, and that little health ministry woman was there, and he was, this is a way you would like to react, right? Maybe not. Maybe it would embarrass you. Y'all get ready for this. I don't want Richard to think I'm running him off. But the pastor went out there. Go away, Nazis! Nazis, no Nazis here. Go away. You can't interfere with the church service. Go away. Go away. And she's sitting there and she's trying to talk and she's trying to, uh, but, and, um, sir, we, go away. Go out. Nazis, no Nazis in here. Go away. And he had that Russian accent and he's running them out. And, I, and you kind of cheer, you know. Yeah, tell them. And they're embarrassed. They don't have any paperwork. You know, they, they don't have a warrant. You know warrant, go away. It actually says in Canadian law that they can't interfere with a church service in progress or a religious service in progress. It actually says that. But they're ignoring that now. It's actually in their constitution. But he's running them out. And you can see that. It's like, yeah, I'm, man, you do it. Stand up. Do it. But then I saw the video last night. And I saw that pastor, and he said, yes, sir. They finished the singing. He said a brief sermon. And he said, okay, go ahead and file out, starting at the back row and file out. It's like, man, he's just giving it over. No fight, no nothing. And I said, y'all think I'm... Wacky or something, right? Because you'd like to see the fight, but then it's like, well, that's what Jesus told us to do. The ministry of the towel. He said, I show you. Now it's for each other. You can do the caveat. You can say, well, it's for each other. And it is. It's for our fellow Christians. Jesus is about to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is about to give up everything. He's been living in the flesh. 
And I don't mean in the sense that we talk about now. He is God manifest in the flesh. He lived on this earth. Imagine the experience there in doing that. And imagine all the emotions that come with that. But Jesus pushed past all of that. He was troubled in his spirit. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was troubled. He said, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup. Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, all things that the Father commanded, I have done. That pastor, he laid himself aside. He laid his own pride aside. That's hard to watch for me. I like the fighters. Hebrews 2.6, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he hath put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Laying aside your garments, it might be as a deacon in a church, it might be a boss toward an employee, it might be an employee toward a boss, it might be an older child toward a younger a person of means to those who don't have the means, a more mature Christian toward a less mature Christian. Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And then 1 Corinthians 8.13, Paul says, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Laying aside your garments. The other thing is to lay aside your pride. It's pride that makes us do things. It's pride that makes you stand up for yourself. It's pride that demands respect from somebody. And I'm not telling you to be little weasels that everybody steps on. But when it comes to serving Christ, Jesus said, he that serveth me shall follow me. When it comes to serving Christ, it's setting aside yourself and your own pride you know what pride is i mean let's get real here you know what pride is looking out at a full church that that can swell ahead i'm not saying keep it empty i'm saying it it hurts sometimes you know you don't want it to i'm am i depressing y'all i don't want to we got a pretty good crowd today now i'm tired yeah, Miss Johnny, where? <laughs> Relatively speaking, Miss Johnny, but setting aside your pride, you know, praise God anyhow. Peter had a problem with pride. His problem wasn't that he didn't love Jesus. His problem was that he didn't know what he didn't know. And instead of paying attention to what Jesus may have been trying to teach him, He imposed himself into the lesson. The other disciples doing it, uh, 
the other disciples were probably uncomfortable with what was going on, but it was Jesus that was doing it. And to doubt him was to say that he had lost his mind. You can imagine the other disciples saying, well, I really don't like this. It's when somebody does something for you. Gives you a birthday card. Gives you, does something for you, and all you can do is say, well, thank you. And, and I appreciate it. Don't really understand what's going on here, Lord, but I'm just trusting you for it. And when Peter spoke up, okay, so that's why Jesus is doing this. You see what I'm saying there? Laying aside your pride. Sometimes you learn lessons from someone like Peter. A spiritual picture of salvation, Jesus is washed as clean in his blood. Revelation 1.5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. It's the blood that cleanses you from sin. I'm getting past applications here. I'm going to get to the final point. Lay aside yourself. Lay aside your garments. Lay aside your pride. And just set yourself aside. There's no lone wolf Christians. You know, one of the things I'm learning is I, is I, I've actually been learning a little bit more about addiction. I went to a meeting in Texas City. I'm, I'm talking to one of our members about getting to go some more. I want to learn more. You know, my brother has Bay Area Recovery Center. He's the head over it. Doesn't mean anything other than, you know, there's a resource there. But I, learning, it, you don't go it alone. It's laying yourself aside. And as a Christian, as you, as you walk through this world, there's so many people that say, well, you know, I believe in Christ. I've accepted Christ as my Savior, and I'm walking in this world. But, you know, I don't need church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites in church. You know, that's one of my favorite things to say. Well, there's always room for one more. <laughs> Come on in. We, we, won't, we won't talk bad about you for being a hypocrite, you know. But, you know, I, I don't want to be around God's people. I, you know, I'll spend time with the Lord alone. Jesus didn't set it up that way. Just put yourself aside and come and join us. One of my favorite phrases, this doesn't even apply, y'all, but it comes to mind, one of my favorite phrases when we go to Jubilee or we go to a revival meeting, you know, and it's not like this. Y'all got a calm preacher here, you know. But you get some of them other preachers, you know, get going, and buddy, you get a little excited, you know, and we're talking church, you know, the roads go all the way back there, all the way back further. Add another church on to where we used to go, Brother Danny Mundy's church, you know. Brother Grady sit up front. Everywhere was a preacher. I mean, you had 14-year-old preachers in there. Because <laughs> you know Miss Gay, huh? So you it, it called to preach, accepted the call. I sent to seminary, educated with a degree, just accepted the call to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're all gathered here, and they're all here to hear the preachers. And 
buddy, there's old, uh, old brother Arthur. Just never forget him, you know, and he's talking about Exodus. I'm just painting a picture for you here. And he's talking about Exodus, and he's talking about them coming through down the, crossing through the Red Sea. And he said, and they cross through. And he's going down that aisle, and he says, and they get in the middle, and they look, and the waters are congealed on both sides, the Bible says. And you can see the fish down swimming in there. And he's doing that, man. He's like a helicopter. He takes off. And you sit in that church, and Brother Grady's up here, and he's got his handkerchief, and he's going, whoopee. (laughs) Oh, man. It was a good time. I got so excited, I forgot my point. (laughs) But the preachers, no, I didn't. But to preach, you know, you get into a meeting like that and it's all fired up and you're excited and you're glad to be in church and you're happy and it's a little weird. And they say, hey, you may as well enjoy yourself. They already seen your car outside. They know you're in here. (laughs) You may as well enjoy yourself while you're here, you know. We go over there and we're eating because they'd have the food, man. My mom makes fun of it. What's a Baptist meeting without eating? Amen. They had a big old place built for it, bigger than our fellowship hall, you know. But uh, you go over there, and there's one fella, and he's going, Woo! That was a little weird. Woo! And you're like, Well, it was a good meeting. Let him do it. But you know what it takes to do that? You got to lay yourself aside. Because the only thing people were thinking about in that meeting and and to shout like that and to let yourself go, you got to say, you know what? (laughs) I'm putting my pride aside. I don't care. And it's like the preacher said, they already seen my car. I'm going to have a good time here. You know, uh, uh, there was a song. He sang, uh, one of the preachers, he sang. I learned it. I don't know if I remember it all, but he said, how I came to love those pilgrims is to me a great surprise. And the way the Lord has led me is a wonder in my eyes. And then he says, oh, I said I'd never be one, but I'm happy now to say that although I used to hate them, I am one of them today. And he talks about joining that noisy crowd, you know. You got to set yourself aside. There's so many, and Baptists are the worst, you know. It's just setting yourself aside. And Jesus, he got down on his knees and he set aside his garment. And, you know, one of the hardest garments for us to set aside is that pride, that sophistication, that that, that self-concern, that, that, res- that concern for that respect that you get from other people, that, that desire for someone to respect you, that desire to be known, that desire to be liked, that's hard to put aside. And y'all say, man, y'all are leading, you're leading me to Pentecostalism, preacher, or something, or I don't know. I'm just telling you, put yourself aside. When it comes to witnessing, You better crucify that flesh. Old Brother Peacock talks about that sacrifice up on the altar, and he paints that picture. Man, he paints some good pictures. You get on Sermon Audio, look up David Peacock. You'll hear some preaching. You'll pin your ears back. 
good old-fashioned phrases. Amen? He talks about that, that flesh up on the altar. He paints a picture walking into the tabernacle, and that flesh is, is taken, and that offering is put up on that altar, and as that flame hits, and it sizzles, and that fat, and it just begins to kind of pull away from the fire, and the priest would take that fork and drag it back into the middle of that fire, and boy, what a picture of our Christian life. We get in the fire, and we just want to kind of get over to the side, and God say, ah, oh, come over here. Just put yourself aside. Lay aside your garments that are stained with sin. Amen. Be washed in the blood. A little shouting. A little singing. Put yourself aside and think of others. Look over in Philippians chapter number 2. The entire picture is given right here. Philippians chapter number 2. He said, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing, he said, fulfill you my joy. Verse number 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Paul wasn't even there for the Last Supper. He learned. He said, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He says, and back in John Chapter 13. And we'll finish up on this one. In John chapter 13, verse 13, he says, You call me Master and Lord, you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. You want happiness? I mean, even even the lost know this. If you want happiness, do something for somebody else. If you want happiness, put God above yourself. Put each other above yourselves. I don't see a problem with that in this church. Happy are you if you do them. You think Judas Iscariot was happy that night? You think Judas Iscariot was paying attention to what Jesus was doing? I think Judas had his, his mind was on the money. His mind, how much is this meal going to cost? What's this going to cost us? 
all this perfume. You know, this could have been sold to the poor or it could have been sold for money for the poor. He wasn't thinking about the poor. This could have been sold and sat in the bag for a little while. Things feeling a little light. Peter. Yeah. Was Peter happy? Peter was, he wasn't thinking about what Jesus said. Peter was always a step ahead. You ever talk to somebody like that? It's like, just slow down. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. I've been that person. No, I got it all figured out, you know, and I'm going to tell you about it. I'm like, I know that you're 30, 40, 50 years older than me, and I'm going, but I, I got this figured out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's going to work out like this, and I'm going to go over here and do this and do that. I just hold on a minute. Lay aside your garment. Lay aside your pride. Lay aside yourself. Listen to what Jesus has to teach you. You know, people come to church, they say, well, you know, that pastor, he got, he's telling me this and telling me that. Lay yourself aside. You know, that was something else that went on at the meetings. When we went to those meetings, man, you know the most enjoyable part about those meetings? It wasn't the man standing in the aisle shooting his leg out going, woo! <laughs> that was weird. It wasn't. Wasn't the preachers walking around and one of them, I don't think it was all of them, it was one of them saying, well, we need that quiet money. That wasn't it. We wanted to take care of the meeting. We wanted to take care of the preachers. But you know the, the part we loved about revival meeting? The part I loved about revival meeting? Listening to the preaching and God would grab a hold of you and say, you hear what he's saying there? Keith, you hear what he's saying there? Don't think about this over here. Listen to what's right here. Listen to what I'm telling you, Keith. What are you going to do about it, Keith? Are you going to come forward tonight? Oh, Lord, you know, there's a lot of people, and it's pretty crowded up there. And, uh, you know, I'm good. I can can say it right here. And, uh, you know, Lord, you know. You know my heart. What are you going to do about it, Keith? I want you to preach for me. Oh, Lord, I can do that. I, you know, there's no sense in stepping out. There's no, there's no reason to step out. If you're going to preach for me, you're willing to set yourself aside? Yes, Lord, I am. I am, Lord. And I don't care who's watching. This is between me and you, Lord. God, I know, I know in these areas of my life, I know these things aren't quite right. God, help me to get them right. God, I just thank you for showing me in your word tonight, Lord. I just thank you for this moment, this time to spend with you, Lord, to look up to you, to have my heart changed. God, I'm just glad to be here. Man gets up, got tears in his eyes. It's happy. And for the loss, that doesn't make sense at all. And you're sitting there crying, but you say, oh, I'm right with God. <laughs> I'm right. God has spoken to me tonight. God has shown me in my heart where I'm wrong. God has helped me to align with him when you're walking in God's will. You know, we see them being witnessed to over there. 
and you saw the fellow this morning in the video. <laughs> he said, we were supposed to meet. God has shown me something there. God is, and he's walking away smiling. Why would he walk away smiling? Ray Comfort just called him, no, uh, Kirk Cameron just called him a lying, thieving adulterer. <laughs> You've shown me something there. I wasn't, I wasn't quite lining up on that good, good test. You know, you go to the preacher. When you want God to show you something, you got to lay yourself aside. That's all there is to it. And Peter had to put himself aside and listen to what Jesus was saying. I'm going to ask you this morning, are you going to set yourself aside? You don't have to do an altar call for my sake. If God shows you something, and I don't just mean this meeting, because if you just come forward and be, oh, preacher, God, you know, I got you going. Nah. Ain't what it's about. It's about your heart. Doesn't matter whether you come down today, doesn't matter. It just This is between you and God. And if God shows you something in a sermon, don't be afraid because you're probably helping somebody else to say, you know what? They let go. I can let go. So let's stand. This Maxine's going to play.